This, 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 this is mythical. Hey guys, before we get into this episode, we wanted to ask you to help us out with something. Um, we need you to go over to podsurvey.com slash biscuits and fill out a quick anonymous survey for us. We're able to provide ear biscuits to you for free because of our sponsors, but it's important to us that those sponsors be things that you actually care about, and this survey helps make that happen. At podsurvey.com slash biscuits, you'll find a short anonymous survey. It'll take no more than five minutes, and it's really helpful to us. Your answers will help match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibilities of our podcast and its listeners, that's you. Uh, when you complete the survey, you'll be entered into an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Gift card, 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 card. Uh, and we promise we will not share your email address. We won't send you an email unless you win. But you gotta go to podsurvey.com slash biscuits to take the survey. Listen, I mean, I don't want you to do it for the Amazon gift card. I want you to do it because you like us and we're just really saying pretty please, but hey, the gift card, it might happen. So yeah. uh, podsurvey.com slash biscuits to take our survey and a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Thanks. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. Joining us today at the round table of dim lighting is motivational speaker, best-selling author, and YouTuber, the very inspiring Josh Sunquist. Okay, Josh's journey began at age nine. Well, I guess it began at age zero. Yeah. But you know, the, the big story began at age nine when he was diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer, Ewing's sarcoma, mm -hmm. and he was given a 50% chance to live. He spent a year on chemotherapy treatments and his left leg was amputated. But he didn't let that slow him down. Uh, he went on to become a member of the US Paralympic ski team as well as the US amputee soccer team. I mean, this guy's basically excelled at everything he's tried, including writing, speaking, and creating original Halloween costumes that take special advantage of having one leg. You better believe we talked to him about that. Uh, Josh also has a popular YouTube channel where he uploads vlogs and collaborations. His first big video was a rap song called The Amputee Rap. Yo, let me tell you what it's like to walk a mile in my shoes. I got one leg, but a smile on my face. You've been smiling too if you have my parking space. My leg is cut off way up at the hip, but using these crutches, I run pretty quick. He's also spoken in person. Believe it or not, in person, that still happens I to believe thousands it. of people all over the nation using his engaging storytelling ability. How many of you that are like me, and in order to save money, when you go to the movies, you like to smuggle food in your pockets? Anyone do this? So I'm with my friends out front of this movie theater. We're sitting in the parking lot, right? We're putting small candy items in our pockets. My friend pulls out of the trunk of the car a two-liter of Coca-Cola Classic. This two-liter, right? And we're like, really, this is not gonna fit in anyone's pockets. I do not understand what you're thinking. But then I think of this brilliant idea. You ready for this? Because my friend is wearing sweatpants, I am wearing shorts. So we switch, I put on his sweatpants. I take the two-liter, I put it inside of the left pant leg. I tie a knot underneath so it hangs there and looks like my leg is cut off like down here. And then I look down, and the two-liter is just swinging all around. And there's this security guard standing there looking at me, right? And I can tell that he wants to say something. But let's be honest with ourselves. Like, what is he going to say? Like, um, 
Sir, I noticed that there is a problem with your leg. Um, you are correct, I do not have one. We cover many topics with Josh, including the moving backstory of him losing his leg, uh, the hilarious experiences from his new book, We Should Hang Out Sometime, that's the name of the book. I'm not, I'm not even though I do, I would like to hang out with you, that's You're talking the name to me? of the book. I'm talking to We're them. hanging out right now. I'm not looking at you. When I look into space, when we're You're talking. looking at the people? That's when I'm talking to the biscuitiers. biscuitiers. Okay, gotcha. Because we, I think we, we, we hang should out hang out too less. much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should write a book called We Should Hang Out Less. less. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. Okay, we, we, maybe we should, we'll talk to Josh about We should that. at least write a book. He can write uh, a forward. Josh has inspired us to write a book, especially when he talks, shares all the hilarious stories. Basically, he tracked down all of the girls that he dated and tried to find out what went wrong. So yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, that was pretty good. We also explore the crazy questions he's been asked over the years about having one leg. Now Josh, he's an amazing example of someone who has been making a living at something they're passionate about and also good at, mm -hmm. but that's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to figure out how to get started. That's why the guys at Road Trip Nation have put together a book called Roadmap. No, this is not the Atlas making a big comeback. I can't say I wasn't a little disappointed that the Atlas is not making a comeback because very large roadmaps were a very important part of the trunk in my dad's car. Oh, I, I remember that. Or behind the seat. Or the top of the dashboard. Yeah. I remember all that. No, the tagline of this book is the Get It Together Guide for Figuring Out What to Do With Your Life. Don't you wanna know what to do with your life? You can order it at theonlybookyouneed.com. Well, that's... Bold, the only book you need .com. Yep. The Road Trip Nation guys traveled the world talking to all kinds of amazing people who have been a success in doing something they love. That includes Marvel's chief creative officer, professional chefs, sports journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. Uh, roadmaps filled with self-discovery activities and the wisdom gleaned from all these people so you can figure out how to start following your passion and pay the bills, y'all. I, I really think this is important. I mean, if I could go back and I have this URL, theonlybookyouneed.com, available to me. I would have gone there. I'm not knocking our uh, guidance counselor, but I'm kind of knocking our high school guidance counselor. I don't even remember who the guidance counselor was. We have engineering degrees, people. I mean, it, yeah. who knew it was as simple as going we to- We followed the, no roadmap. Theonlybookyouneed.com. All right, now on to the biscuit. Tell us about your Halloween costumes. Like we're nowhere near Halloween, but something tells me that you've been thinking about it constantly year round based on your track record. Yeah, it's become a, a, a big thing. Uh, I and, love it. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird thing in that, in so many ways. For, for one thing, like as a kid, like I grew up in like a really conservative religious home. Okay. And we didn't celebrate Halloween at all. You I mean, celebrated harvest? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, yeah, we, we'd have these, yeah, the pseudo like harvest festivals or whatever. Harvest festival. I've or, been to or, those. Or we'd celebrate the Reformation, weirdly. Yeah, it's like, Reformation Day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. We'd be like, yay, Martin Luther. <laughs> uh, like, and, but, but Would you do trunk or treat in like the parking lot of the church? Uh, no, I don't. Need, what is that? They do that now where um, they bring all the insulated families into, the, they'll allow them to go, leave the church and go into the parking lot on Halloween night and then they go around to the trunks of cars that the church members have parked, and then they give out candy out of the trunk of the car. Huh. Yeah, and then they go around the neighborhood and they nail the 95 theses on the doors <laughs> of everyone. 
if we were at home, I mean, we literally like locked the doors, turned all the lights off so that like no one would come to our door because my parents like thought if we gave out candy, we were, you know, we were like contributing to the devil or something. Yeah, you're a part of the problem. Yeah. So, uh, so were you ever tricked? Um, because of that? What do you uh, like? Well, there was oh, trick oh, or oh, treat. Right, yeah. Like people were like, oh, you guys don't give out candy. Here's an egg on your door. No, I think people just, just, you know, we did get, actually, that did happen once. I don't know if it was in relation to Halloween. Oh, but, it was. You but got now egg? that you bring that up, it very well could have been retribution from the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> For us, like, you've not, been egged. Not contributing to the sugar. Um, but yeah, so I never really even wore any Halloween costumes until uh, college. And uh, perhaps appropriately, given the religious background, my first Halloween costume, I dressed as the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I just literally just wore a sheet over my, my, I just put on a sheet. Like that was how, it was like the worst costume ever. <laughs> it was like so what little made, work. What made your ghost holy though? Uh, well, it was well, holes we, in the sheets. Uh, no, it was. It you was, didn't even do that. I, I guess I was just yeah. It was. It was. A, I'm not going to defend the costume. <laughs> yeah. I will say though that me and two of my friends were in on it, and so we were the Holy Trinity. Oh, I had wow. a friend who at the time had really long hair and wore a robe, so obviously he was Jesus. And then my other friend yeah. had like a long white beard oh, or a fake beard, and so he was God the Father. You didn't send this right. picture to mom and dad. I no, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> they are probably listening to this podcast and very upset right now. But you did sacrilege. But you didn't need just one leg for that. No, yeah, so yeah. That yeah. came so, later. Yeah, like, so that technically was just, you needed no legs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Technically, I, I yeah, I had it was a problem that I was walking. I should have just been floating around. Right. Uh, but I didn't have the uh, the technological know how for that. So yeah, it was it was only like sort of later that um, that I had any sort of amputee related one, and it was the first time I did one. It was after college, and that was when I did a partially eaten gingerbread man, and it <laughs> and it wasn't even it was it was really kind of a lazy thing. It wasn't like I was like, man, what would be like a clever amputee costume? I was it was like the last minute. And I think it was from like Shrek, you know, yeah. like uh-huh. the guy was like my gumdrop buttons or whatever. Right. And uh, and so I literally just bought a normal gingerbread man costume and just cut the leg off. And I was like, boom, done. <laughs> this is my costume. And uh, but that drastically increased the quality of that costume. I mean, did you know? <laughs> yeah. Did you have any indication that okay, I'm sure that I'm going to put this online? And did you know? No, because this was in uh, 2011, and so it was. This was like pre like kind of buzzfeed you know the, the concept of like viral images was very new mm-hmm, in fact mm-hmm. like i the only place i posted it was the now defunct site daily booth you guys remember daily yeah, booth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so like that's the only the only record i have of the picture is actually daily booth so it's like super grainy it was on a webcam of course um but yeah so i didn't it didn't occur to me that it was gonna be a popular thing online um, but, but like I put it on daily booth and it was like all of a sudden all these people were texting me, you know, like, I love your costume. It's amazing. <laughs> and, but it still wasn't a thing. It wasn't a viral thing or anything, but yeah, I went to parties and most like the main reaction actually was not so much like that's an amazing costume. It was like, where did you hide your leg? This is an incredible <laughs> illusion you've created. Right. I'm like, I have crutches. Like, why do you think I own titanium one piece crutches like that I bought for this costume? Because right. you're a high roller. Yeah, that's this is yeah, this is how I go with my Halloween costumes. So uh, yeah, and so and it wasn't Did you follow it up next year with No, so it still didn't occur to me, like, because again, it wasn't like a, a viral thing and it wasn't uh Okay. 
you know, yeah, it just never occurred to me like, oh. But this. it did eventually. Right. So that, yeah. So the next year I just, I was uh, Angry Birds with my friend, you know, it was fine. And then the, the year after that, um, my girlfriend at the time, now fiance, uh, suggested, hey, like you should be the leg lamp from a Christmas story. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, uh, and, and I looked online and some amputees had like done that before. Okay. But they hadn't done a like a real good job. No okay. offense if you're one of them listening right now. Uh, but I, I saw them. I was like, I think I can do way better um, and like really go all out. So I got like shaved my leg, got fishnet stockings, got a, an actual lampshade and like lit it up from the inside with like oh, wow. a battery pack. So it was like a portable walking lampshade. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that one, when I made it, I, I was like, I bet people online will like this. Cause this was yeah. then by then 2013. So like at that point, you know, images online were like a thing. Right. And so, uh, yeah. So basically um, a friend of a friend posted it on Reddit and okay, then it yeah. just, it like blew up from there. And then people went back and like, somehow found my daily booth and they're like, oh, there's this, like, look at this thing you did before. Like, mm-hmm. and then, and that's when it became like a thing. So then the, bu- then the bar started to raise. What was after that? Yeah. So then, it, exactly. So then, uh, then it was like clearly, oh, this is a thing. You got to do now this. Now people like think I do this every year and are, have expectations. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I, I felt pressure. And so, and I thought, well, like the Halloween, the, the costume with the leg lamp was like so popular because it brought back childhood memories for people, you know, mm-hmm. like Christmas story and all like fragile and all, you know, all those things. And so I was like, there's no way anything will ever be like that, but, uh, you know, I'll try, uh, you know, see what I come up with. And so the next year I, this one just happened. I just was at like a zoo once and I saw a flamingo and I was like, you know, that looks kind of like me if I'm doing a crutch handstand. <laughs> and it was just a weird thing. It was just like, I don't know, just because I give, you know, I do like funny speeches about having one leg. A lot of my humor on YouTube is about amputee stuff. Like I'm right. just always looking at that stuff. And uh, and I, like I, and it was funny because I told a lot of people the costume ahead of time. I was like, I think I'm going to be a pink flamingo. And everyone assumes... Oh, of course, because flamingos stand on one leg. leg and I was it. like, uh-uh. oh, you have no idea. <laughs> Just wait. This is going to blow your mind. Right. So, uh, yeah. So I got like a, a pink spandex suit. and uh, Very flattering. Oh, uh, yes. It, it was. <laughs> you got, you mean you didn't already have one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I pulled I got, out my pink spandex yeah. suit. <laughs> yes. From the closet where I keep all of my onesie spandex uniforms. And, uh, and yeah, I, I should say that my assistant, Lisa, who is a huge fan of you guys and your show, helps me with these. She's very crafty okay. and she like helps me build these things because it takes a lot of like conceptual thinking of like how right. are we going to actually make this. And then so and then I uh, we got like an elf shoe, which she painted like a flamingo head on. <laughs> and uh, and then, yeah, I just do it's I mean, you'd have to it's. It's weird and to describe in podcasts. It's you have to see it, right? To like to to get it. So um, I guess Google uh, Josh Sunquist Halloween costumes. But you got yeah. the, they'll all come the, up. The two truck uh, trucks crutches are right. the legs right. to the flamingo, and right. then you lean your head forward and go into a. It's like a half handstand, right? Handstand. So it's like my head is the flamingo's butt. And then my uh, leg becomes and, like the neck, and my my foot is like the yeah. the actual the head, and, and it has like and a it's, beak. It's very convincing. Very convincing. It's, yeah, it's pretty like, and and I can't really like I can balance in like a an, an actual handstand on my crutches, but not in that specific position. It's actually right. like off balance. 
So it was like it's like me, flamingo in motion. Yeah. So it was like me and my girlfriend. We just did like a bunch of shots, you know, with uh, just like in burst mode, <laughs> and uh, and just like and we had like one that was just like this is uncanny. It looks so flamingo like, <laughs> you know. It, uh, and we did it. We even went to the zoo too because uh, I just thought it would be amusing to like do it right beside the flamingos, and <laughs> it, it would be yeah. Yes, and uh, but that was weird walking around the zoo. In a pink flamingo, or like a pink leotard, as an upside down flamingo, from yeah, walking on its head, yeah. A... So, so then, but you've and, done one more since then, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So then the flamingo was just huge, yeah. It, it was, yeah. So it's just like every year, it's like more and more pressure, and like people are like, he wins Halloween again, and uh, and so yeah. So then this year, I did a foosball player, and it was like particularly sort of meaningful to me, and the reason I thought it was cool is because this year I had the opportunity to. Uh, make the U.S. amputee soccer team, right? And, which was cool because, like, uh, before I lost my leg when I was a kid, I I played soccer and I hadn't really like played it since I became an amputee. And now there's this like amputee soccer sport out there, and like the U.S. team is finally like, good enough that we went to the World Cup this year. So it was like a cool, a cool, like personally meaningful thing to to me right. to be like, oh, I'm going to actually dress like as a semi soccer player in a foosball position. Uh, and so, yeah, this okay. one was actually really difficult to construct because we really wanted to have the illusion of me floating. Uh, and, right. and so uh, and, and to look like because it's easy to like do Photoshop things. But I wanted to be like what you see is the actual photo taken. Right. So we like rented out an entire like indoor soccer arena because that has that look of a foosball, you know, thing. It has the yeah, rounded yeah, corners yeah. <laughs> and like the, um, the walls, the walls that sort of drop back. And then we got like a ballet bar. And uh, and built around that like reflective material to look like a uh, you know like the, the spinning bar or whatever. Right. And then uh, and and did me up all in like all this like paint to make me look shiny and plastic and just like oh hey, yeah. it's great yeah it's great the um, bar keeps getting raised yeah exactly so now it's like and yeah. you got the thing on your foot that looks like the big paddle. yeah exactly right yeah and then so we had just like the big box and so and I just sort of like sat and balanced there on that bar. Well, it's funny when because when I saw that I thought. Oh well, you know this has been so popular. Now there's there's some sponsor that's that's paying for uh, Josh to do his Halloween photo, or or did you just say I know I'm because it was so like over produced. the top and produced? Or are you yeah. just like no? I've taken it upon myself that I'm just going to make this happen every single year. Yeah, I did. Uh, well, so I I I sort of tried and failed, uh, semi failed at doing like a uh, like a, a Indiegogo. Uh, uh, okay. So I put it up and it was like, uh, as people do when you do uh, Indiegogos and such, a lot of pe- people were like, what? Like, why Why would we give you money? Like, people on the internet just want my money. Well, like, because it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so a lot of people did give money towards it. But, I, but I, like, I honestly put it up thinking like, people will think this is cool and fun. Like, I'm happy to pay for it myself. Right. So I ended up, I got some money, but I paid for most of it myself. It was pretty expensive. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty expensive. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, because I hired like a real photographer. We had like all the lights up and everything. Right. Um, but to me, it's uh, it's a great investment because uh, people love it. And it's, it's like, it honestly is a part of like the business of what I do, you know, like right. I make my living mostly as a motivational speaker and a lot of people, you know, like when they contact me to speak, they're like, we love your Halloween costumes. You know, like the costumes sort of capture the message of what I'm going to share on stage. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, uh, it's really kind of the best possible advertising I could do yeah. is to like invest in a, in a really great costume. And we should right. say that those are at the top of your YouTube channel even yeah. now. So if you go there to enjoy your content, you can 
see them. That's the easiest way just to see them all in that's collage yeah. form. Yeah, they're all right at there. once. Yep. Take us back. Let's go. I we'd love to get your story from from the beginning, which I'm sure you've told many times, but I, I'd like to piece it all together. So, uh, like, uh, as a as a child, kind of overview. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I like I said, I was uh, when I when I had two legs as a kid, I was real into soccer. And when I was nine is when I started having a lot of pain. And it was actually, it was, um, uh, I guess, sort of poignant in, a, in that the, like literally the same week that I was going to try out for my first travel soccer team was the week that I had a biopsy where they found cancer. Because uh, I'd been having like a lot of pain and whatnot. And so they were, like, had to open me up. And, uh, and it was, yeah, it was a really aggressive form of cancer. I had a 50% chance to live. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, it was very serious. I mean, um, a nine-year-old, I mean, you remember getting that news, just, is the doctor talking to you? Is the doctor talking to your, your parent? Yeah, so my parents told me, yeah, you know, there's an interesting thing in kids around that age, um, parents sort of make the call as to how much information they want to share with a child. Um, I was old enough that my parents chose to tell me everything and I'm, and I'm glad they did, but there it was, it's a kind of a, it's, it's a weird thing because like, you know, they told me, like my parents told me that, you know, it was, it was almost like, um, like a Santa Claus thing, you know, like, yeah. Oh, but like, don't tell the other kids because like, they were like, you know, not other kids at the hospital might not know how sick they are. So like, don't mm. tell them, mm. um, that they have cancer because they might not actually know. And, um, and, they, and they told you like your chances of survival. They told they went there too, huh? Yeah, and it, and in that moment, that was like good news to me because like as a nine year old, the only thing I knew about cancer was my grandfather had died of it, mm-hmm. and so to me, you know, I didn't. It wasn't even uh, I wasn't even cognizant that there could be ways to treat it or survival. Okay. So like I immediately thought I have cancer, I'm going to die. Um, so actually, it was in, in retrospect and sort of ironically like good news that they were like, mm-hmm. no, actually. The doctors have told us your kind of cancer has a 50% chance of survival, um, which, of course, is still very low. Uh, so, yeah, so I started chemotherapy treatments. I, I had a tumor in my leg, in my femur, which is like the bone from your knee to your hip. And after about three months, the tumor was still the same size. So something had to be sort of done surgically. Uh, and there's like a lot of different operations besides amputation that are possible. Like you can take out the bone and put in a like a metal rod or a cadaver bone, uh, like all kinds of wild stuff. But the amputation was is just like by far the best chance of survival. And it's also if you if you try to do what's called a limb salvage operation, it's uh, your leg is very fragile. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it was like I would you know, as a, as a athletically oriented child, I was like, well, yeah, okay. So having one leg, it's going to be harder to do stuff, but I'm not going to be fragile per se. You know, I can do like whatever I'm able to do physically, whatever I can figure out how to do with one yeah. leg, like the doctors aren't going to be like, no, 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 you, you could break, you know, if you do that sport. Right. So, um, so yeah. And so you, you helped make that. Yeah. 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 It was me and my parents. We met with like a lot of doctors, got a lot of opinions, met with like amputees, yeah, and I mean, obviously, yeah, it was a huge decision. Um, but uh, yeah, I felt very much like it was a, a joint decision between my parents and I, and I'm and I'm really grateful that you know that they involved me with that, right? Because I I could see a child who who wasn't involved looking back later and being like, my parents chose this for me, you know, this life, yeah, whatever. Right. Whereas I look back and say like, this is the the life I chose. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I, so I lost my leg. Uh, 
I mean, obviously that's a pretty like traumatic thing. And yeah, so I you, mean, yeah, what do you do? remember about that, about the, uh, the, you know, before the procedure? Yeah, I guess probably the most sort of notable memories about that were, yeah, right, right before, um, you know, I mean, it, I was really sad, like, especially, you know, in the weeks leading up to it, really sad, like I cried myself to sleep, mm. level sad. I remember, um, you know, sitting in the, the operating or not the operating room, sort of the, the waiting room, you know, where you, you get prepped or wait or whatever before mm-hmm. you go back for the operation. And, uh, and, and yeah, I guess the best way I can describe it is, um, you guys are old enough and probably most of your listeners are old enough that, you know, you've, you've, you've had someone that, you know, die suddenly at some point. And, and there's sort of this like almost eerie feeling of disbelief, like where you're like, no, no, like I just talked to him or her last week mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's how it felt. Like it was this idea, like I'm going to be put to sleep and then I'm going to wake up and this leg is, you know, like it's not going to be there. And yeah, it was just, it was such a strange feeling. And uh, the doctor and nurse came in and um, I hadn't walked for three months because, you know, my leg was very fragile. I had a brace on it. I wasn't supposed to put any weight on it. Um, But the doctor and a nurse came in and they had a wheelchair like to bring me back to the operating room. And looking back, I'm not sure exactly why I, I made this decision. Um, but I guess, I guess I realized, well, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like I could break my leg from walking. And, and so I was like, you know, actually like, I don't want to use a wheelchair. Like I don't want to walk because this is like, this is my last chance to walk. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so I walked back to the operating room and the next memory I had was, was waking up and just having horrible phantom limb pain. And, oh, really? Yeah. And, and, and in phantom limb pain, it's just, you know, and they, of course they had told me about it ahead of time and warned me, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's such a strange thing. Like you can't even imagine, like you can't be prepared for it. Like I, I woke up and, and I, 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 at first I thought like, oh, they didn't even amputate my leg because I could feel it. And it was hmm. just like throbbing in pain. And it was in this like really weird position. Like it was like sticking straight in the air. And then like I opened my eyes and it's like, it's not there. Um, oh man yeah and it's it's so phantom limb pain it's just it's so wild and i still think it's like it's really fascinating just like neurologically um but for a while it was like pretty debilitating pain wise um but i guess you know you sort of your your brain is is hardwired to um to have what's called proprioception which is like the sense of your body in space yeah. so you know you could lose any part of your body a finger a nose an ear or whatever and you'll still feel it like in your brain um and, and you can have pain in it and that's what what the phantom limb pain is so um yeah so i went through that for a while but uh you know i i felt like uh i, I went through a lot of the grieving beforehand mm-hmm. and and afterwards um i was you know, I, I, and I don't want to like take credit for it myself. I think I had like tremendously supportive parents and friends and family, you know, who had, who had raised me well and had really like rallied behind me. But I like, I really, um, bounced back, I think a lot quicker than people were expecting. And maybe that, that, you know, than some people perhaps ever do, you know, with an amputation. Um, so yeah, I mean, after like two or three days, uh, after the amputation, I was like running, on my crutches, like around the hospital, hmm. or like literally like running. Was it an expression of your support structure alone? Was it also the type of person that you were? Was it an active decision that you remember making that I'm going to run around on these crutches? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, what, what were the components of recovery for you yeah. for it to be 
uh, accelerated like that? Yeah, I think that's an insightful question, and you know, I think it's 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 a little bit of all of that, right? It's it's having parent, you know, like great support structure. It's having like taken gymnastics as a child, so I was like pretty agile and had really good balance really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a decision element too. I think you know, at that point, I still had another nine months of chemotherapy in front of me. You know, I, my life was still on the line. So I think there was also an element of it of to me thinking like I don't know how much longer my life is going to be. So, like, yes, I have one leg, but I'm going to try and make the best of it, whatever that means. So there was still cancer in your body at that time. It just Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the weird thing about, you know, having an amputation is you don't, it, like, yes, that got rid of what's known to be the cancer, but, you know, maybe there's like a, a really small amount of cancer, like in your lungs or, you know, mm-hmm. it's metastasized somewhere else. So you still go through the whole, like the original protocol of chemotherapy, which, right. which was a year. So I was on it for, for another nine months, so like a year in total. So yeah, it was a lot of chemotherapy, about 100 nights I spent in the hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was three years before you were declared free and clear of cancer, right? That's right, yeah. So three years, because uh, most cancer you are declared cured uh, after five years, but it just depends on the type of cancer. Mine is very aggressive, and so if it hasn't come back in three years, that's when they say you're cured. Um, which is like just the best feeling ever. You know, I, I, that's something that I look back on and think of, you know, those those times when, in, when you're in remission in that period in between and, you know, you go in for tests every three months or every six months and it's just like, has the cancer come back, right. you know? And because if the cancer comes back, it's uh, your, your chances of survival are very low. Uh, so, you know, those were, those were scary years. Was, and, was your sense of humor that we see now in all of your work Something that was present then, even from that young of an age, or something that developed later. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, some of both, you know. I don't. I. It wasn't. Um, I. It took. It took many years, I think, to become as comfortable with being an amputee as I am now. You know, like I, I wore a prosthesis until uh, halfway through college. When I started high school, I was homeschooled until high school. Uh, and so when I started high school, I was very worried, you know, just if that people would even find out I was an amputee. So um, I think uh, there was a, a much greater sense of self-consciousness there. But at the same time, really early on, I think humor was actually um, a way of, of of sort of dealing with it. I, I, yeah, I mean, like the first, you know, yeah, right after I got fitted with a prosthesis, um, that, yeah, this was kind of like maybe the first the first window into like what humor could do and, and how it could help me cope. I was uh, in the hospital for chemotherapy treatment and there was, uh, I was treated at a, like a teaching hospital. So mm-hmm. a medical student was examining me and uh, just doing like a physical and taking my vitals and such. And he uh, was like taking my pulse and, uh, and, and finally my mom was like, Joshua, my parents called me Joshua, of course, my given name. Uh, <laughs> but she's like, uh, yeah, Joshua like has a prosthesis now and you are trying to take a pulse from it. <laughs> <laughs> and you found this funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so it was like, uh, yeah, and I mean, which I thought was just hilarious. He's uh, dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, and, and, and yeah, so I mean, that was probably, yeah, just a month or six weeks after my amputation. And, so, and I think that looking back, that was the first like really funny thing that happened. And I was like, that's really funny. And I think after that, I started um, looking more and more for like, okay, yeah, like, obviously, you know, I'm not, 
you see, like sometimes people will come up to me after a speech or, or write in the comments of a video. You're, they're like, man, like your jokes about being an amputee are so like so funny. Like it makes me kind of want to be an amputee. <laughs> Or, or, but they'll always preface it with something like, you know, like, don't take this the wrong way. Or right. <laughs> yeah. you're right. Where do you know? Like, okay. Or like, no What's offense. Coming? Yeah, right. No offense here. But, um, and I'm like, okay, wow. Yeah, that is, you totally got the wrong message. Like, <laughs> I do not like suggest being an amputee. <laughs> well, that, but that's a good, that's your perspective is, is uh, so compelling that that's the effect that it has on. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> some people. Who, um, it's interesting because. You were nine when the surgery happened. Link, you've got a nine-year-old son. I've got a 10-year-old son. So we've got like kids in that uh, age range. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm thinking about like that happening and then making that adjustment. Just what what about socially Mm -hmm. uh, in those formative years as you're becoming a teenager and and moving into high school? Like how did the fact that you were an amputee at that point play into, you know, how you interact with other kids? Yeah, no, it was really really terrifying at first you know it's um it's you know it's weird now like 20 years later because it's like obviously it's it's just a part of me it's it's not a big deal anymore but yeah and and in that sense i think you know my parents played a really great role in you know a lot of times you hear people with um with disabilities you know, who, who, uh, who have psychologically adjusted well, we'll talk about how, like, you know, my parents never treated me any differently, you know, they, and you know, like, that's the key mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and I, and I don't think they, they quite mean that literally, because I think you do have to treat someone according to their, his or her own needs. Like, of course you treat each of your kids a little differently, not that you're like showing favoritism to them, but like each of your kids are individual. Yeah. They, they, they have their own personality, their mm-hmm. own problems, their own hopes, et cetera. So, um, you know, I think that my parents, uh, you know, they, there were times, you know, really early on yet yeah, where I was, I was pretty nervous to like, uh, for example, like to go, to go to like the swimming pool, you know, and they found like a friend of ours who, but I wanted to like swim. I wanted to try it, you know? And so they found like a friend of ours who like had a pool at their house. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to go to like a public pool. And, you know, I had gone to like summer camp before I lost my leg, but I was really scared to go back. And, uh, and so they like basically like bribed me and, uh, and I was, uh, in retrospect, very easy, easily bribed considering like how scared I was of summer camp. But they were like, if you go to summer camp, we will give you $25 that you can spend at the snack shop at camp. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, $25 of ice cream. That is amazing. <laughs> Um, and so it was like that was like so game changing. Uh, like <laughs> so you back. went, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and uh, did it work out? Yeah, and it was awesome. But it, but it, you know, it was like um, it was like stuff like that. Like otherwise, without that ice cream, like there was no, uh, like it seems so <laughs> it silly. Wasn't worth it. It seems so silly, but like that really was like a deciding factor uh, of me going, and, and and I'm so glad I did. You know, because then it was like that was when I started to get exposure to other people. Um, because of course I was in a unique situation being homeschooled. Like I wasn't, I wasn't immediately thrust into an environment with like hundreds of kids at once. I had like a, a social network, but my social network was like my church and my homeschool group, which mm-hmm. was like a, a pretty small group and a very close knit group. Yeah. And so in that sense, I was, I was lucky to have friends who were, I think, um, very mature and, and came from like homes where, where parents were like giving them like, sort of like, you know, don't, you know, like. Josh is still like a normal person, like treat him as such yeah. kind of thing. I'm sure right. there are many milestones, uh, but how do you get to become a motivational speaker? Yeah, um, so 
I started giving the first time I was like giving talks was right around that time when I was like nine, ten years old. Really? Yeah, doing uh, at that time not like what I do now, but they were like fundraising speeches for my hospital. So you know, I was like sort of like the poster child to, to be like for the donors to be like, look, uh, the hospital is helping me survive. You should give money. Um, here's a funny story about a resident that you know <laughs> who thought I had, or you know, who tried to take a pulse from my leg. Which, in <laughs> retrospect, is like the worst possible story. So, like, <laughs> yes, your hospital is like a malpractice suit waiting to happen. <laughs> give it money, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so that was the first time I was sort of in front of audiences, and uh, you know, started to grow comfortable with that. And then when right. I was 15 years old, and by that time in in a public school a motivational speaker came to my high school and i just like saw you know his his speech and just thought like this is the coolest thing ever and ironically you know i i was really i was really interested in doing it but i was really afraid because i was like oh you know i think to be a motivational speaker you have to have like a really interesting life story and i don't have one which is okay uh, yeah i know it's like looking back it's like uh what but like at the time <laughs> it just like it just didn't occur to me that that my life was that interesting. And so my early speeches were terrible uh, because number one, they were like super like didactic and just, it was like, I listened to other motivational speakers and tried to be like Tony Robbins, you know? So I'd get up yeah. and be like, you must have goals and like blah, blah, blah. I'm, <laughs> I'm so awesome. And you should be like me. And, uh, and they were, hor they were just so bad and, and nobody paid attention. And then gradually over time, I realized the time is that people were paying attention was in you know the short moments when I might have an anecdote about myself or what had happened to my leg or cancer right. or whatever. And then gradually then I realized, oh wait, I actually do have a story and it's a story that people are really interested in and that people naturally um, you naturally create a metaphor, right? Like uh, most audiences are not composed of amputees, but everybody has that thing for them, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's something physically obvious or something, you know, uh, from their background or their emotional state or uh, a developmental disability, everybody has, you know, that thing that they're sort of insecure about that mm -hmm. they, that they are, uh, that they're dealing with. And so to hear a story, um, hopefully from someone who's like, who's been through something like that, and has come out relatively well on the other side um, was and is a story that that seems to help people and and that's why I have the privilege of having that job right what? and you've and you've done uh, quite a bit of it and you know I think my suspicion is that when you do motivational speaking that you probably get called into lots of different environments where you mm -hmm. find yourself I'm speaking to like this convention for wh whatever like yeah does it, it get weird yes yeah. what are some of the weird places that you found yourself <laughs> speaking yeah no I, I, yeah i would say uh maybe interesting uh, would be <laughs> would be the positive spin i would put on it uh but yeah but you're right it's it's really interesting that just just to the, because i uh, you know some types of speakers might be an expert on something like leadership or teamwork or whatever but because i'm i'm just sort of like a uh, a life story speaker, you know, I, I talk about my life story and I apply sort of lessons about overcoming adversity and try to relate to that to what um, individuals in that particular audience might be going through. Uh, because that's a pretty universal message, I have the privilege of speaking to a really wide range of groups. So yeah, I mean, like, I spoke to a group of cowboys uh like two months ago like literally cowboy like they are literally cowboys like in wyoming or something uh north dakota yeah i mean i i was the like the only person i felt uncomfortable 
because I wasn't wearing a cowboy hat and did not have cowboy boots. Like that was okay. the, the first time in my life when I've been like, wow, I'm, I feel weird because I'm the only one without the cowboy hat. Did you hat. address that? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I like to acknowledge like those sorts of things. Um, yeah. And they, they were good. They had a good sense of humor about it. But, you know, like one of the weirdest ones, and I didn't actually end up speaking to them, uh, but I was really hoping I would because I thought this would be just hilarious. It was like a convention of, the uh what would you call it like the tanning booth industry association <laughs> and i was just like okay like i'm i'll definitely speak to you guys and like that's cool but like i mean you guys kind of have a thing that causes the disease <laughs> yeah. that i had like it just doesn't seem like yeah 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 it just seems like if Kinda. i yeah like i i mean <laughs> like you know, within moderation, tan- I'm not judging tan- people who go to tanning beds. That's fine. I just like if I was playing that convention, I wouldn't be like, let's get that guy. Like if if you know, like if I was like a yeah, right. if if we were like a, a smoking convention or whatever, <laughs> or like you know, we sold we were Philip Morris. Like we wouldn't be like, let's find a guy who's overcome lung cancer. Yeah, right. right? You know, it's like it just seems like I'm not not the person that you want. Um, so yeah, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's really interesting to just sort of like the, the wide variety of groups I get to speak to. At what point did YouTube start to enter equation? And I'm curious what, how does that fit into the puzzle of what you're doing? How do you view your YouTube presence? My first real like YouTube video was when I was actually here in LA at USC. I was in grad school and uh, yeah, I had no idea what a vlog was. Uh, and I, I just, I really didn't uh, have, I was just, I was in grad school and you know, it's very different being in grad school. You don't necessarily like make friends or have a social experience or maybe actually that's grad probably school just for me, what? Uh, for communications. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Nobody has ever like for, for a speech ever been like, but do you have a degree in communications? Like, I'm pretty sure that was a waste of money. Um, but whatever, uh, it was fine. So, uh, yeah, I was, I, and I, I just had like this, I had had this like really wild experience, uh, which is actually, it's in, um, this is not a, a plug, but I'm going to go ahead and make it a plug. Make it's, it a plug, it's baby. In my, it's in my new book. Uh, <laughs> we should hang out sometime. Uh, but give it, it to us. Um, so yeah, I, well, because <laughs> the book is about, I uh, had never had a girlfriend when I was like I was like 25 years old, and I tried to date girls a lot, um, and and I'd had these sort of like one or two date relationships, and people were always like, Josh, I mean, you seem you're not like too creepy, and we assume you're not like a serial killer or anything. Like, why have you never had a girlfriend? And I was like, I really don't know. Um, I have theories, but I don't know. So, uh, so I, so I went back and like investigated by which I mean, I found like all the girls going like starting in middle school that I tried to date and, and I would like have coffee with them or email Physi- them. You physically found them yeah, and had a physical face to face conversation. Well, I mean, I mean face to face. You had an auditory conversation, <laughs> not a physical <laughs> conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's mostly a conversation of words. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a hug or something yeah. involved. Uh, 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 <laughs> A polite handshake. Get too physical. <laughs> yeah. What a this is quite a quest. Yeah, it was and a great idea for a book. Yeah, and and I will. I am proud to say that I didn't do it like for a book. It okay. Was, yeah. Okay. Um, it was it wasn't like uh, it was, it, and maybe that's even more weird that I was just like here's <laughs> here's a personal development project I'd like to do. Um, it was only like later that I was I was kind of like yeah the, you know this this is 
this could be a book. This is kind of funny now. Uh, now, actually, now that I have a girlfriend and there's a happy ending, as w- okay. once I determined that. Um, so uh, yeah, so I, I I had this experience where there was this girl that I was trying to date, and she was actually a, a contestant in Miss America. And, uh, and you're on the right track so far. Yeah. So I I want to be clear. Oh, like she she was Miss North Dakota, right? Let, yeah. You, don't you know that? Well, why did we do research for this? Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, that's the one. Well, and because and you were you just spoke to some cowboys in North Dakota. You oh, make yeah. it in North Dakota quite a bit. <laughs> I do. And I didn't think there were any humans there. Yeah, I. You've you been know, there at least twice. No, it's uh, I've spoken in North Dakota a weirdly <laughs> large amount. I actually like calculated once like. The uh, I like North Dakota's population is shockingly small, uh, six hundred thousand people in the whole state, <laughs> and there was a time when I had spoken there so often that I had spoken to like a mul- multiple percentage points of the entire state. <laughs> it was like three to four percent of the state population I had spoken to. Ugh, that's so that's how I met Miss North Dakota, um, and uh, and so yeah, we were we were sort of talking, and this is what a while I was at USC and. Uh, so she was going to be at Miss Dorothea, or she was going to be at Miss America, which was in Vegas. And so I uh, got like a ticket um, through some finagling to like this like black tie gala uh, where I knew she was going to be, and I was going to like surprise her and stuff. And, and uh, you were just you had not dated at this point, or had you? She and I. What was your status? We were. I would say we were talking. We talked. Talk. We would okay. like talk on the phone. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we yeah, there had been no uh, there had been no like. Physical conversations, <laughs> to use your term. Okay. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. So, uh, the, but you're going to surprise her. Yeah, I was just going. Yeah, I was going to surprise her. And you know, I'd seen so many like rom coms, or or I'd seen, I will say, enough rom coms to know that a grand romantic gesture like oh, yeah. this is, you know, always is going to go well. Oh, yeah, yeah, this couldn't fail. Like, there's no way it could fail. Uh, and of course, it failed horribly like i mean it, like it failed like so horribly it was just like anticlimactically weird like i like i was like you know she was like kind of like walking by me and i was like ah. like i guess i and i didn't really have, you just have anything in your this, mouth yeah and your eyes got big yeah and i you just shook yeah really yeah that's pretty much what happened I, I guess i just imagined she was gonna be like oh like you're here we're in love let's date like i'm your girlfriend now i don't really know what i thought um <laughs> that didn't happen what really happened was she was like you didn't tell me you were going to be here. <laughs> and I was like, it's a surprise. Yeah. That, yeah. That was, yeah, it's a surprise. Yeah. That's exactly what I was like. That's kind of, that was like the, sort of the point. And, and then she was like, okay, uh, like I have to go. Like, cause she, she did have to like go walk in this procession or something. And that was the whole conversation. And we didn't talk. Was this any- before the, the ceremony, the pageant? Or was yeah, this, this was the night before. The night before. Yeah. Uh, and so then, there was no follow up conversation nothing. in Vegas. No, no, nothing. Not for, like for months. Uh, wow. Yeah, that was just the end. Because I was, and I was like, well, maybe she'll text, maybe she'll call. Nope, nothing. Uh, so yeah, so that was one of the ones for the book. When years later, I wanted to be like, so like, remember that time when I showed up to your pageant? Um, so that was really interesting. But this is we're on like so many levels deep okay, of, but, of stories but here. Let's, <laughs> let's finish that one though. So yeah, on your quest in the book. Walk us through going, seeking her out. Yeah. Because you, you 
met up with her again. Yeah, and and we actually yeah had like a face to face conversation. How did you when I was giving a speech in North Dakota? <laughs> obviously, <laughs> when you were passing through, yeah, of course, my yeah. my stomping grounds where I where I often show up to give speeches. And you put the tux back on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was I was speaking at a, a bank. Um, you know, like to, to some employees at a bank, and it was like the town she was in, like in the vault. Uh, you know, like I immediately no, pictured you standing yeah. in the vault. No. Other round employees, I'm picturing picture behind the teller window. <laughs> yeah, to be clear, when I say yeah to, to a bank, I mean it was like an, a, a gathering of employees yes. of the bank. It wasn't to like, like attention bank customers. <laughs> yeah, I have given some weird speeches like that, and I've learned to be like I ask a lot of questions now before I agree to show up. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure I'm not going to be in that. Like one time I spoke to what I thought was going to be a group of army vets who had lost legs or oh, arms. Okay. And I was like, this is great. Like, I'd love to like Perfect. support these guys. And it turns out I was actually just speaking at a cafeteria in a hotel near an army hospital. <laughs> to who? To anyone who happened to be in the cafeteria. <laughs> I kid you not. Oh, no gosh. advertising. It was just people who were just happened to be With getting trays. their food. And I was just, they were just, yeah, just go, just like stand in the middle of the room and start talking now. I, w- I was like, are you serious? It, anyway, that's a whole nother story. Oh um, well, what happened there? It was just, it was horrible. Like, it was so bad. Did like, you get paid? No, I, I, was oh. volu- I was volunteering. Like, I thought I was helping army oh. vets. Was this in North Dakota? No, this is in D.C. <laughs> okay. So you didn't have to travel too far. Oh, yeah. That speech was so bad. It was, yeah, they had like, there was a TV on. They wouldn't turn the TV off. Oh. I mean, it was like, oh, my gosh. That, I mean, that was, that was probably the worst speech ever. It, 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 fortunately, it's never gotten better, worse than that. So now I'm very careful to ask questions. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. so this is an event like that people are going to on purpose, yeah. right? This and is not know, a cafeteria. Yeah, like they know I'm going to be there. Okay, so Miss North Dakota, you you triangulated where she was going to be, and yes. it intersected with you giving a a talk. Yeah, I'd like to like make it sound less creepy than that. Like I wasn't like <laughs> triangulating her cell phone. Like okay, okay, I see her coordinates. I this is where she is. I will show up there. I contacted her and and invited her to come to my speech. Okay, and and and, and we're like yeah, let's like you know get food afterwards, and um. And and yeah, so I uh, <laughs> and by this time, yeah, I I was sort of more, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it was an interesting conversation um, because I we we talked and and she was kind of like I'm loving this by the way <laughs> <laughs> because she was uh, yeah she she was like obviously remembered the situation you know the me showing up and uh, and was really impressed that I was there because the the gala that I was attending uh, was uh, supposed to be $2,000 a plate. I had gotten a ticket because I gave a free speech um, at, in, uh, into a, at, a, at a cafeteria somewhere. Yeah, at a cafeteria. <laughs> it, it was weird, but totally worth it. Um, and so first, she was just, sh- and I, so she like, so which to me made it even crazier. Like she was like, she thought I had spent $2,000 to see her. And I was like, so what, what, you didn't text me? Like, what uh, what happened right. right and so cuz at the time i thought well maybe she has a boyfriend that just entered the picture or something like that but uh yeah so it was basically like a really interesting lesson for me in sort of empathy and like looking at something from another person's perspective cuz for her it's like the biggest moment of her life right you know she's been preparing this literally for this moment for years and she's very focused on the competition and this guy like just shows up and she's very like befuddled and confused and just like literally doesn't know what to say. And then the competition happens and she didn't like do as well as she wanted. And then so she was like, 
like a little like embarrassed, you know, like that maybe felt like mm -hmm. she had kind of like let because, uh, you know, she had other friends and family there and she felt right. like she had kind of like let everyone down a little bit. And uh, and 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 so it was, you know, that's where she was coming from. And I was coming from just sort of a place of insecurity where I was like, oh, if she didn't like text me immediately afterwards, she must not like me. I'm never going to talk to her again. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and she was like, yeah, but I was like really disappointed. You know, you didn't contact me afterwards because like I was so into you. And I'm, and I'm just like, what? Like, wait, uh, hold on. Like, you really liked, me? you know, so um so then I was like, well, so it becomes crystal clear that you really did blow it. Uh, yeah, that it was crystal clear. Speaking of crystal, uh, it was soon. And I was beginning to get thoughts in this conversation like, well, maybe now that we've uh, figured this Better out. Late than never. Yeah. yeah. But it just so happens that approximately six weeks before this particular dinner, she got engaged <laughs> and had a diamond ring. So that's what's, what what the book is about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so each so each chapter is uh, a different girl, a different girl. Yeah. So it's a, a, there's like uh, six. I actually tracked down uh, twelve girls, and six of them are in the book. Some of them were like just not interesting enough for the book, or there wasn't like a. It wasn't, I don't know, just not, you can't fit every, there was like more stories and, you know, yeah. your editor always wants to cut stuff out. So there's a, a sequel. Yeah. You got a, yeah. You got a sequel. You <laughs> the, gotta B, the B side girls is what you should call that one. <laughs> now, just, yeah. So just to go back for a second, um, we took the detour from you getting into YouTube. Right. From, so you were at USC. Yes. So yeah, so I, um, so I had this experience, I'll give you sort of the abbreviated version of the story. <laughs> uh, while I was in uh, I was getting ready, or you know, I was at the at the black tie gala, and I don't like you guys have probably have you ever worn a, a bow, like a real bow tie before? Not a real bow tie. I'm afraid of that. Mm, yeah, I, I have one that ties around. Yeah, yeah, like and you have to tie it. I didn't tie it. Okay, yeah. So you, this, I feel like that would be a good. That's him. That, what do you mean? A good to say GMM was no. episode of, of tr like just trying to do this like as a challenge because it's freaking impossible. Okay, like, they're always crooked and like uneven and lopsided. So I was in the men's room you know, trying to like get all spiffy before my like big grand gesture when she saw me. Uh -huh. And, uh, and I was, you know, I'm th it's like worried about my bow tie, but it, it's like, it's so hard to tie. Right. I'm just like, Oh, like I can't get it. I was really frustrated. Yeah. And I was like, man, you know, the next time I wear a real, or, or the next time I wear a bow tie, I'm going to do like a, like a clip on, you know, like what you wear to prom where yeah. it's like pre-tied because I was like a real bow tie is just not worth it. Like that was the phrase in my mind. I was like, this is not worth it. And, um, and this, this guy walked in and, and just part of like having one leg is that people, strangers, for some reason feel a certain subset of the population feels just a, um, uh, just like they have the right to like say anything they want to you to inquire about your medical history or, or, or they feel even just a need to say something about how you have a disability. Okay. So this guy, he walks in and he's like, because I was like kind of balancing at the mirror, like working my bow tie. He's like, oh, it looks like you do pretty well with that. But, <laughs> but I was so focused on my bow tie. With those two hands you have. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I was so focused on my bow tie. And like, I don't, you know, I talk a lot about having one leg in my speeches and videos and stuff, but I don't like necessarily actively think all the time, like I'm an amputee. This is my perspective. So like, I wasn't really thinking, like I thought he meant he, my bow tie. So I was like, oh, thank you. Like, you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and this is like, 
the totally true story. So we uh we were there, we then we go over like to the urinals. I get like I guess I like gave up sort of or or came to a satisfactory point in my mm-hmm. bow tying, and we're so we're both standing at the urinals, kind of nearby each other, and I was like. I you know I, you know I'm still thinking about my bow tie and he's like still thinking uh, presumably about my life situation mm-hmm. and I was like I'll tell you though it's actually pretty difficult like it's pretty <laughs> difficult <laughs> you start opening up to the guy uh, yeah. about the bow tie oh, my while we are peeing <laughs> and the dude is like yeah like it looks like it would be pretty difficult <laughs> <laughs> and then I said I kid you not I was like in fact. Tonight, I've been feeling like it's just not even worth it. (laughs) 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 And his his peace dream stuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, you know, making eye contact, like, number one rule of social interaction in urinals. Yeah, yeah. No eye contact. He's looking at me. He's like, he's like, son, it's always worth it. And I was, and like, I was still thinking about my bow tie. <laughs> this I was guy's like, really into bow ties. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't, I didn't think I was that good at tying it, but maybe I'm better than I thought. Like, and so it literally didn't hit me till like weeks later. I'm sitting in my dorm room at USC, and I was like, oh, like that's why he was so like dramatic and like worried for me. He thought like I was talking about my life not being worth it. And and so I'm sitting in my like one room, uh, you know, my single at USC, and I was just like, I have to tell someone about this story. And I had a webcam, and I was like, maybe I could just like record this into the webcam and put it on the internet. And I did, and that was my first vlog. And were you hoping that that guy would see it and be at ease? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, did the I, I did. Shut off, dude, at the urinal. This is I for did you. assume that. Yeah, he's like probably out there, like you know, having prayer vigils for you know, like <laughs> I met this this depressed one legged man. It was destiny. He's he was open right up at to the me. end of his ropes. Yeah, pouring his heart out as he peed. <laughs> yeah. So that was how I, I I started on YouTube, and I didn't. Um, and that I was didn't, early on. It was like yeah. So 06, that was right? yeah. That was a long time ago. So that was oh uh, eight, and I oh, okay. I had a couple videos on my channel that were just like demos of me speaking. Oh, okay. And I didn't really make any videos. It didn't, you know, like I, like I really didn't even know what a vlog was. I didn't know that I had made a vlog, and it wasn't until two thousand ten when my first book came out, Just Don't Fall, that to promote that I made a video called The Amputee Rap. And, yep. and then that video did really, really well. And that's, and, and, you know, and people were like, it was, it was, it was kind of like people were like way more excited about that than the book. And, uh, and I was like, I worked for years on this book and two weeks on the video. Um, you should read the book. Uh, but, uh, but I, I saw then just like, then, then I, I started like looking at YouTubers and like seeing guys like you guys and like finding out like, oh, there's this whole world out there of YouTube and like, what would a and I and I looked like scrolled back and was like, oh my gosh, this like urinal story I told years ago has thousands of views now. Mm-hmm. Like I could keep doing that, and so yeah, that's like I just I kept making vlogs after that. So what? How does your YouTube channel fit in? What's your into your puzzle at this point? Yeah, that's a really good question and one that I spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, uh, it is, yeah. I, does it is it just to drive business to speaking, or does it have a life and a business of its own? You're trying to. There's a tension there, I guess. Yeah, I think of YouTube mostly as a really intense hobby. Um, like I don't, 
make, you know, like I don't have enough subscribers that I could make a living off of it or anything like that. So, um, so mostly, mostly for me, it's just, I really like making videos and telling stories into a camera and, uh, and it's really fun. That said, it is a component. Like if, if I were to explain my career to people, I would say, I give speeches, I give motivational speeches, I write books, and I make YouTube videos. And I think there is a, a really nice symbiosis to all of those. Sure. Uh, most of my income comes from speaking, but a lot of the speaking requests come because people saw a YouTube video or because they read a book. And a lot of the book sales come because people saw me speak or they saw a YouTube right. video. And, uh, and, and so, it, you know, it all works, you know, and it's like it all kind of works together, I guess, in that sense. Well, would it be a spoiler alert to ask, you know, what is, what's the ultimate takeaway from, from the book? Mm-hmm. No. Yes, yes uh, it would? Oh, oh, oh mm-hmm. well, I mean. It would. <laughs> Read the book for the takeaway. No, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm engaged. So that the big spoiler, of course, is like, well, actually, in the end of the book, I was just dating my girlfriend. So okay. you wouldn't know that from reading that, that we are engaged now. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, with each girl, I learned a little bit something different. So, you know, there was there was sort of like one, you know, one lesson was about maybe like about like sort of empathy, like what we talked about with the Miss America contestant or one lesson might be about. Um, you know, not always like assuming sort of like the worst, you know, not assuming like because she said this, oh, she must hate me. Like maybe there's another reasonable explanation. But the overall thing that I think I took away was this, that I went into it, the investigation, assuming that I had never had a girlfriend because there was something wrong with me. And what I realized was actually there had just been a lot of just kind of unlucky situations. And if there was anything wrong with me, it was that assumption. It was thinking that there was something wrong with me. In other words, it was like having that insecurity, that doubt, that like thinking, oh, there's there's something like inadequate about me, right? Because, um, you know, like that's like that's like the the least attractive thing in a person, right? But the yeah. most attractive person, by contrast, is someone who's like who is confident in who they are, like flaws and all. They're like, this is who I am. I, I accept myself as who I am. And I think like that's what makes mm-hmm. you a tremendously attractive person uh, to someone that you might be interested in dating. Right. And how, how did your fiance feel about all the stories about all the ladies? Yeah, she, I, I definitely like talked to her a lot about it, you know, before, before it became a book, just to like make sure she was going to be cool with it. And I think she was uh really pleased to be the happy ending of the book like i think like and that, really pleased that you were such an idiot all along the way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i think yeah i think she's like uh feel, yeah um is kind enough to think that she's very lucky that the other girls didn't discover me or something <laughs> um but uh but yeah you know i think i think she loves uh, uh and and rightly so and i'm glad that she does you know being that 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 she's like the person at the end who sort of like is like i finally found someone and it's her right what stands out as one of the best responses you've gotten? I'm sure there's a lot of people who come up and want to talk to you mm-hmm. whenever you speak. Um, and what stands out as one of the stupidest things? Like you, you talk about the people who just have to say something, and then I'll see if I can top both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, as far as like after giving a speech – yeah, I like mean, there's the, got to be. The, the, I imagine just any, anything that you've yeah. done in public. I imagine yeah. the rewarding moment of someone wanting to. You've opened up and inspired. Yeah, 
that someone's they want to give back. Someone said, I, I imagine there's been a lot of people saying great things to you. Oh yeah, so I mean yeah, you know, so many amazing things, and that's certainly like one of the coolest and most rewarding parts of the job. You know, is being able to do something that I really enjoy, like performing and and sharing my story. Um, and that I get to do it professionally and that it's something that helps people. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, so many things, I, you know, I think, I guess probably the most poignant, uh, example would be, uh, a girl came up to me and one of my early speeches that was at, when I was not really even a good speaker, um, came up to me and like gave me a, like a suicide prevention hotline card and was like, you know, like, thanks to you. Like, I, I feel like I don't need this anymore. Um, and that, that meant a lot to me. Um, and so as far as sort of the flip side, uh, man, yeah, I've really heard it all. I, like, <laughs> you know, it's like people, people after you give a speech because they've just heard you and, and you guys probably relate to this as YouTubers. Like, you know, when you meet someone and they're kind of like, wait, what, why aren't you doing a YouTube video for me right now? Like if, if you ask them a question or if there's like a pause, they're like, hold on, why, why are you not, why are you not, where are the jump cuts? Like, you know, uh, uh, yeah. and so, you know, people kind of come up to you after a speech and they're just kind of like, where's, where's my motivational speech? Like, why, why are you not speaking? Why are you not, conti- like, why, why are you not telling long stories with jokes right now? Um, yeah. And that, so that's weird. Uh, but yeah, people will, will, will relate. Um, and yeah. And it's like, I don't, I hate to like belittle people's problems, you know, but they'll be like, I understand what it's like to have one leg because and then and then just say you know like you're like oh where are they gonna go with this but but you know and sometimes people you know have like a really serious problem but but you know like it'll be like a again like i hate to be like trivial but it'll be like some you know just something really like you know because yeah oftentimes people are like because um like i i i sprained my ankle last year and i was on crutches for two weeks so like I totally get like what you've gone through. <laughs> and I'm like, go okay, cool. I like I'm, I'm glad. Su- I'm sure you're always gracious. Uh, yeah, I try to be nice. I'm like, uh, cool. Like I'm not trying. Yeah, it's like it's a little different. Um, yeah, it's a little. But I'm glad that it spoke to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to. So, but, try to top that. Well, I mean, don't, you you don't have to to top it, but but share your what what are what are some meaningful and really strange things people have said to you oh no i was gonna try to be one of those people and ask oh, you oh, something oh you were oh you were gonna try to, i thought there was gonna be like story time with i Link. didn't know where you were going with that either you know? <laughs> see if i could ask something even stupid oh than yeah what people have asked oh you. man oh if you want to talk about stupid questions wow like i mean just in terms That's of what i mean in terms of questions. just just pure questions yes how about this one uh, what what do they do with the leg after they get rid of it? Yeah, I I don't think that's a stupid question, and that's <laughs> something that I would be curious about. I mean, well, I mean, I kind of know uh, they like, they like study it to like because uh, you know just for like sort of case history information to know oh like how did because it's a, a rare form of cancer, right? So it's like they want to know like how much did it spread into the muscle, and they learned like it spread a lot do into they, the muscle. Do they say hey, do you want one last look, or do, is that usually when it's on you that's the last look for you personally? Yeah, no, I didn't have anything like that. I've heard of amputees um, like keeping their like fingernails or toenails. Uh, I didn't like ask 
for that kind of macabre yeah it seemed a little weird to me and i feel like eventually you you you, you would inevitably come to some ceremony where you're like i'm going to like throw these into the ocean because <laughs> i've moved on you know so so well, I, they, yeah yeah they, if you wanted to take the leg they wouldn't have let you do it probably i i should I hope mean, not dennis won't let you take a, a tooth yeah you can't yeah, you like you should hope that they would not allow you to walk out with an actual limb um, but yeah, I'll give you some stupid questions that people have asked me. And, and these are the, the really stupid questions are typically not after a speech. And I think the reason is because I, I make fun of in my speeches. A lot of times I talk about stupid questions that people ask. So I think okay. people are a little like, I don't want to yeah, be right. in his in the next speech. Um, yeah. So the, the stupid questions are, are inevitably just people who walk up to me on the sidewalk. So uh, or, or just, you know, casual conversations. So. Uh, so maybe my all-time list would be I was talking to this girl about my artificial leg um, which I was wearing I, I still wore a leg uh, this was in high school we were talking about how it worked and you know everybody has questions about artificial legs right. and uh, and she was like oh so is the foot fake too? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah wow. really like totally serious and like I don't know <laughs> like I just don't even know how, like what the like and I and I was like, oh, you know, it's funny you ask. Like the doctors actually took my real foot <laughs> and attached it on the end of my artificial <laughs> Is leg. The foot fake too. Yeah. Um, oh my. Yeah. I like. I don't even know. Like, how could she imagine that that was? Yeah. We there's like a Frankenstein system. She where, doesn't understand blood supply. Yeah. It's like yeah. There, we there's blood running through the fake leg to nourish the like. Yeah. I mean. Oh it, wow. Yeah. Um, so that happened. Um, he, uh, that was amazing. I had a guy um, pretty recently, maybe a year ago now. I live just outside Washington D.C., and he was um, in my neighborhood. I was walking on the sidewalk, and I, you know, I was I was on my crutches, no no prosthesis, and uh, he like taps me on the shoulder, uh, of course, because I have one leg, so he needs to talk to me about it, and uh, just this opening line. He's like, so. How come you don't have a prostate? <laughs> oh, how could you tell? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, do, like whoa, do you where, have, where's the other hand? Do you have x-ray vision? How, how do you know this information? Uh, and then I figured out like, I, like what he meant. Uh, but I was like, that is not the kind of cancer that I had, actually. It was bone cancer. Oh, um, man. Yeah, and uh, just... <laughs> Just in terms of sheer stupidity on my third date with Ashley. Um, so this was like, a, you know, pretty new relationship. Um, and, and we're at... Uh, Hold on, don't throw your fiance under the bus. Oh, no, no. This is not a question she asked. Okay, good. Although she has asked... Some, I was about. I was going to save you from that one. Oh, no, yeah. No, she's asked some pretty some pretty good questions. Uh, <laughs> pretty good questions. Pretty, said, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, we'll she's put it that a way. great person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, she was just she was she was there to witness it. Okay, I'm just good, I'm trying good. to raise the stakes of right, the story gotcha, gotcha. because it's like we're nervous we're on an initial date, gotcha. and so we're we were eating dessert. And it was sort of like a dessert bar, you know. And so, um, so she was sitting beside me on one side, and there's this guy sitting beside me on the other side. Like, you know, inevitably wants to talk about how I have one leg and all this situation. Like this is like a grown man. I just want to be very clear. <laughs> I don't think he was like intoxicated or anything. <laughs> And he was like, uh, you know, he was like, so, um, like, how long is it going to take before, you know? And I was like, no, no, I don't know, actually. Like, what? No, what, what are you asking? He you're a starfish. And yes. And he was like, <laughs> I kid you not. He's like, how long is it going to take for your leg to grow back? 
Uh, and I was, <laughs> are you like, are you serious right now? Uh, wow. Are you like, yeah, exactly. Like, do you think, do I look like a starfish <laughs> or do I look like a lizard? Like I can just uh, spontaneously regrow appendages. I like, I, it was just. How, how does someone get to adulthood? Right, I, like I, yeah, in the I just modern wonder, world, like, what what in his life experience had like indicated to him? Maybe he had he maybe he had one grow back. That that was like yeah, that, that was, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly, how long yeah, did it take? Yeah. How long did it take you? Mine only took five years. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, but no, the hilarious thing was I mean because I think he was genuinely was sincere, and, sincere, and this is this is why I believe that because after that he got a lot more serious, and he was like, oh man, and he's like, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> <laughs> After you told him, yeah. Now yeah. that we so, know that it's not you coming back, said, yeah. Because I was like, yes, thank you. This is a great solution. I can turn to alcohol yep. to to like help me feel better about how my leg is not going to grow back. Let me buy you a drink, son. Yeah, I'll buy you a drink because that leg ain't coming back. He should have just said, "Well, just grab and pull right here," and it'll probably only take about a second. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I know we didn't even get into it, but people can read your your first book. Just don't fall. Would you? Uh, when you were a skier too. That's right. Yeah. Uh, for for a long time. There, there's quite a lot. We could talk to you forever. Yeah, a lot, a lot of that's good. A lot of that's, life story. We can throw people to <laughs> to your books. You know, more stories about the uh, the encounters with the ladies, and uh, we should hang out sometime. And more stories about your life and your background, and uh, just don't fall. And you yeah. tell a lot of stories on your YouTube channel, which people can check out too. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, truly appreciate being able to hang out and get to know you. And uh, thanks for allowing us to ask. All the questions that we ask, which some of those may rank up there. No, those are awesome questions. And uh, no, it's, it's an honor to be here and so fun to hang out with you guys. And there you have it, our Year Biscuit with Josh Sunquist. Let him know what you think by tweeting at him. Uh, his Twitter handle is Josh Sund. Quist, there's a D in there. Yeah, I always make sure to say the D. Q-U-I-S-T, Sundquist. It's not Sunquist like Sunkissed, it's Sundquist. Hashtag Ear Biscuits, and also make sure that you watch our Song Biscuit Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. with Josh. Uh, And and check out his, his book, We Should Hang Out Sometime. Dot com. That's the way it's done these days. You write a book and then you name a website that's the same thing as the book. Yeah, where you can get it. We should hang out sometime dot com. Um, Maybe we should write a book. Maybe we should do the same thing. It's such a good idea. We could get his permission first. We go track down our ex-girlfriends. Well, and the interesting thing is a few of them are the same girl. <laughs> yeah, So a couple of the chapters, there would be the crossover chapters is what we would call those. Right. Leslie and Amber. But the thing is, I I think we know what went wrong with, with Leslie that led to each of our breakups. Yeah, we didn't talk to her, you know. I don't need to write a book about that. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't know how to speak to a yeah, girl. Right, yeah, and afraid, I was afraid of her with Amber. I don't, I don't remember. I, I think with you, it probably ended the same way. You didn't know how to manage a relationship. I think I had a real relationship. There could be a chapter there with Amber. Yeah, I'll write the Amber chapter. <laughs> you can offer commentary and like this. We'll do a thing where when one guy's writing, the other guy writes in the margins. But it's part of the book. Who are we kidding? We've talked about our ex-girlfriends so much that there's, there's we can't write a book. I mean, I, you've heard it all, people. I mean, so instead of you buying a book from us about our ex-girlfriends, we're just going to remind you to take the podsurvey.com slash biscuits survey. Again, that takes five minutes. Uh, thanks for listening this long. You're a true listener. You're still listening to us. And like we said, it will really help us out to find out what you're truly interested in. Let's line up some advertisers that make sense for both of us so that you don't have to pay for this podcast.
Yeah, because if you, if it doesn't work, we're gonna start charging, what are we thinking about charging? $1,000 per download, is that what it is? Yeah, that's the price point we yeah, yeah. So per person, so you know. Either that or go to Pod That's survey. very expensive. I know you like this, Dot but com. that would be very expensive. Slash business. That would be like a salary a year per person just to listen to this podcast and you don't want that to happen. All right, so th- this the Air Biscuit is winding down. You can hear the music back there, so just go ahead and pull up that you know, Apple T b- browser window. Oh, what if they're on a Windows machine? Whatever that is, Apple W. I think there's an actual window instead of an Apple. It's like a window that's flying through the air. Podsurvey.com slash biscuit. Podsurvey.com slash biscuits. More than one biscuit. With an S. Yeah. Podsurvey.com slash biscuits. biscuits.